0: It is great to be here with you guys. As we were saying, we have Elam missionaries with us right now, Elam students. Well, AJ and Hannah. How many of you know them? All right, they're being a real blessing to us. We've had different missionaries over time with us, and, and so we have this tying together with Elam, just really special. We love the values of Elam, the students that are produced here, the workers for the field. We have a real heritage working together and Pastor Gary and Pastor Harriet, too, uh, Pastor Gary's on our Board of Directors. But we, you guys are special, and we see today, we see here, among us here, you see so much potential. God's got great things planned for you. And we're going to talk about that. We want to share a little bit about the history of POS. Becky was there, she was raised on the mission field. And wouldn't just share about this whole area of calling and being faithful, and how, how God blesses when we're in the center of God's perfect will, we're in the center of his calling. So Becky's going to give a, a short time about the history of the, the
1: mission. Okay, so um, it all started actually when my, my parents, my dad was a farmer in central Illinois, and he would tell the story, he would tell us how it was. He would be driving home his tractor from work, he would hear God speak to him, and he, you know, God would say, Son, you've got everything you've ever wanted in life. But what about the thousands and thousands that are living beyond the seas and have never had a chance to hear of my love and are dying and going to hell? And he knew God was calling him to missions. But he came from a church that wasn't mission-minded at all, but he just he had this lived this struggle, but he kept hearing God speaking to him. So he went to his elders and his pastors and told them about his desire to become a missionary. And they weren't a mission minded church at all, but they said, Well, you know what? If you want to go, we'll bless you. You can go, but just don't count on us financially at all. Uh-huh. So dad thought, Okay, you know, um, he thought, Okay, what happened is actually in that time, there was advertisement on TV that in Brazil, there was cheap land for sale. And so my dad was a farmer, and he had heard that Brazil, they produced coffee. So he thought, oh, maybe I'd be like the Apostle Paul, who was a tent maker and, you know, supported himself while he worked in the ministry. And So my dad thought, oh, well, I know how to farm, so maybe I can go and have a coffee plantation and do ministry on the side. So that's actually how they, they went, you know, just planning on being self-supporting. But I'll just briefly tell you about what happened was as they were going down, when they left the states... uh, My oldest sister was seven, my brother Luke was six, my brother Tim was one, and my mom was pregnant with me. And um, in those days, we're talking 64 years ago, they didn't actually have ultrasound and you didn't, so they weren't sure about my, my birth date. Well, my mom planned on me being born in Brazil. Well, so they got to Miami and they were just staying in a hotel. They were gonna catch the flight the next morning and my mom started having labor pains. And so my, do- my father found a doctor and went, and the doctor checked and says, this baby's not going to wait for you to get to Brazil. Because in those days, it was just propeller planes. It took 30 hours from, from Miami to where they were going down to Brazil. So, they actually, then, so that night, during the night, the very morning that they were actually going to catch the plane and go to Brazil for the first time, I was born. And I tell this story because when my dad went to pay for the doctor, the doctor for my birth, the doctor didn't charge him anything. And so to my dad, it was such a confirmation that God was going to provide. You know, he was going and God was going to provide. And I always say, and I was born free. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, anyhow, we were raised in Brazil. Then my youngest brother was born in Brazil. And mom and dad just always involved us in the church planting. We were really involved with them. We did everything with them, and we kids just learned to love the ministry as being part of it. I remember one time, I was a teenager already, maybe 13, 14, and um, I loved horseback riding. And one of the villages where we had planted a church, everybody's transportation there was horses. And so during my vacation, I'd go and spend a week at a time there just to be able to ride the horses. And so I was going, and I'd ride a horse and go to one of the little farms, and I'd stop, and I'd drink coffee with them, and have a, I'd usually read the Bible to them because most of them were illiterate. And then I'd move on to the next one and just, just so I could ride the horses. Well, I got to one farm, and they said, Hey, Becky, do you know how to give a shot? And I said to them, well, I've never given a shot to humans, but we had a pet monkey. I had given a shot to our pet monkey, and I had given a shot to our dog, but never to a human. But I said, well, if it's not in the vein, if it's just in the muscle, I think I can do it. And so it was those, in those days, you know, it was those big old glass syringes that you had to sterilize and everything, and so I got it all ready, and... And the one who needed a, a shot was a little old skinny man, and so I got his arm and I went to put the, sh- the needle in. Well, the needle went and hit the bone, and so I just pulled it back a little bit and I gave the shot to him. And when I finished, the man said, "Oh, that was the best shot I ever had." <laughs> well, and I remember at that time considering, thinking, "Lord, someday I want to be a nurse." And I want to come back as a missionary and help these people that were so desperate that, you know, trusted this teenager who had never given a shot to a human to give a shot. So, and actually, that's actually what happened then. The Lord fulfilled my, my dream. And at that time, then I did. I came back to the States, went to Columbia Bible College first, and then I went into nursing, married this wonderful man of God. Yes. We've been married now 43 years, and um, so then we went back to Brazil then as missionaries, and then all of us kids, all five of us kids really just loved the ministry and all ended up back in Brazil with my parents as missionaries, but my brother Luke, as you were mentioning, Luke just loved adventure. He just always dreamed of being a missionary on the Amazon where he could hunt and fish and... So he did. After he went back to Brazil, then he went, moved up to the Amazon. And as he started surveying, doing survey trips along the villages, he just saw village after village with no Christian church. And so then he called the rest of the family. He said, You guys have to come and help me. And I remember him telling me he'd called us. Well, we're in the States still. And he says, Oh, Becky, you've got to come as a nurse here. You know, you're, that's what the Lord's going to use to help open these villages up for the gospel. And that's exactly what we did. Then we went down. And so we chose to homeschool our kids. We have four children. We chose to homeschool them because I'd go out on the rivers, take the kids. You know, I always say that our kids learned how to paddle a canoe before they learned how to ride a bike, because they'd be out there sleeping in hammocks on the boats. And we'd go to the villages, and we'd see patients all day long. And then in the evening, we'd have evangelistic services. And um, then as people got saved, then we'd start a a small home group. And then as that home group grew, then we'd actually, you know, start and then actually lead a church building. Well, what's happened is that this has grown. The work has grown. God has blessed the ministry so much. And now, like like, um, Pastor Mike read, It was, now it's the Brazilians that are doing it. It's actually, truly, they've taken over. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones out there now um, planting the churches. They're the ones doing the medical. We still get in there a little bit once in a while because I love it. It's still in my blood. But they're the ones doing it. They're out there planting the churches, and that's where we now... Um, we've gone through, as I'm sure you've studied in missions, all the, f- the stages that missions go through. We're in the stage now where we're just really participating with the local churches there. The Brazilians, they're the leaders, they're the pastors, and we just come alongside and bless them and help them. And that's where we want to recruit you guys because what happens is one of the ways we see now that we can really bless even the american church and recruit missionaries is as our churches grow as the brazilians plant the churches along the rivers then once there's enough you know there's enough cell groups there and the people are strong and they have a good local leader and they need their building then we have north american churches send teams down in fact um Faith Church from here has sent teams down. Pastor Gary and Sister Harriet—they've, you know, led several teams down there too. And and um, the team will go down and help us actually build a church. And um, what we're needing is missionaries like AJ and Hannah who are with us now. We're hoping that they're going to end up really feeling the call and stay down there and be a bridge actually so that many of you can go to and work with us down there and help us with when these teams come then be the ones taking out the teams leading them out into the rivers and then um, also while you're in town being involved and really growing spiritually developing right now you're learning so much you're learning so much. You're, you know, getting so much good Bible knowledge. Your character's being formed. And we want to challenge you to go down there. And then you as this seed, you've got all this good DNA. We'll plant you down there. And there you're going to start really learning, going out on the practical, winning souls, discipling people. Leading cell groups, and really, see, and then we we're, we're hoping to develop many teams there in Brazil, and send them out to the nations. In fact, we did that already. Our kids, all four of our kids, are missionaries. They went back to Brazil, started working with us, started leading cell groups and doing really developing, becoming what we call a fruitful tree. And then we've now transplanted them. They're in Japan, working in Japan, planting churches. And we want to send teams all over, especially to these. Countries in the 1040 window where there's such a huge need. There's still a huge need on the Amazon, too. There's still at least 30,000 villages that don't have a Christian church. And so we're so excited. And we want to show you right now. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Gateway Church there in Texas. They just recently sent a team down. And we have, they did a, a short little video clip on their team. So we want to... Uh, show that to you now so that you can kind of have an idea of what um, it would be like to go with a team, but then we're not looking for you to just go with a team. We're looking for you guys to be the ones that are helping us with these teams and really developing teams to send from there out to the nations. So let's see this video clip now.
2: Hi, my name is David Rivera, and our gateway team is here in Santarem, Brazil, partnering with Paz Church helping them build a church along the Amazon River in the jungle. Paz Church has over 800 churches that they've helped plant all around Brazil and many of them along the Amazon River and some of these really hard places to reach. We jumped on a boat, we loaded it up with material and went down the river for about 10 hours. With Paz and Gateway Church coming together, we were able to build churches along the Amazon River in some of these harder to reach areas. Churches that will be a light to the community and will impact generations to come.
3: Something that's really impacted me on this trip has just been the people here. The people we met in the villages truly changed my life and I really think softened my heart. Just to be aware of how life is outside of the US, the culture and the way people just live together. Um, in those villages. Something I think really stretched me was the construction work. We got to get our hands dirty, put our gloves on, and complete the construction of two different churches in two different villages. It's something that I really think lets you be able to see um, the work that you're doing here in these other countries. You get to see firsthand that you are really planting a seed here and you get to see the fruit of it right before your eyes.
2: It was tough work, There's a lot of sweating um, and a lot of difficult tasks at hand. Each day I walked away with knowing that I've made both a spiritual and a physical impact on the kingdom. And there's very few things in life that I feel like I'm able to truly do that. Each time I knew I was making one step here for God's physical kingdom on earth, but 100 steps further in God's kingdom in heaven by getting a chance to interact and bless the people there that will get to continue to worship. For me, the most impactful part of this trip was definitely the altar ministry that took place two nights that we were out on the River Communities. As I began to pray for these people, I know that I can't speak in Portuguese, so I'm just going to have to go for it in English, so I prayed for them. And yet the Holy Spirit moved in such a way that was able to impact both of us inside of our heart. And I walked away from both of those nights thinking to myself how just incredible the Holy Spirit is and how there's nothing impossible when it comes to Him. We got to lay one stepping stone on an incredible path that God has for them moving forward.
0: There is such a need in the Amazon. as You see these places uh, that you go into and people have never even heard of Jesus and to share. But you know, the important thing is that we know where has God called us to be. We've had people, I'm, I'm degreed as an electrical engineer, I worked for DuPont for eight years before we went to the mission field. And in Brazil, people would say, wow, you gave up so much from the United States and your good job salary, cars, houses, and stuff to come to Brazil. And it's like... You know, no, it really wasn't a sacrifice, because there's no better place to be than the center of God's perfect will, because you know he's going to meet every need. He's going to be there with you. The difficult moments come, uh, you know that he's called you, but it's important to know what is your calling, and I want to leave that with you today as as we're sharing here. What has God called you to do? Why are you here at Elam at this time of your life? Do you know that he's called you here? Or maybe you're just you're, you're being trained, you're called to pastoral ministries, or maybe to missionaries, or maybe you just want Bible training to be, be a better Christian, to have that foundation in the word. But you need to know, what is God's call on my life? That call, you don't have to be thinking maybe 50 years out. It's nice if God tells you where you're going to be 50 years from now. But so many times it's that step that you're taking now that you know, like now no, I know I'm supposed to be at Elam. This is where God has me now. I know when I was growing up, you know, I've, I had the American dream. I was going after the American dream to have the good job and everything. I really felt God, I, that I would always be an electrical engineer. And God took me to that phase. But when I got to college, a secular college Virginia Tech, that all of a sudden I was away from my, my Christian home, my friends. Uh, that security of your your family and when my parents left me off at the dorm and waving goodbye you know it's like okay Lord you know uh, you're gonna have to be my uh, best friend Jesus because I just felt that uh, okay it's a new phase of my life and during college God just transformed my values, my desires, everything, and in that meantime, brought Becky into my life, and that opened the doors. Okay, missions is going to be a part of my life, but taking every step of knowing where, because I was very fulfilled in my studies and working as an engineer for eight years, seeing God's hand. I wanted to always experience that part of being an engineer, but yet God was directing us for missions, and He took us through those steps, and we got down to Brazil. It was like we had a clear call. I visited Brazil first because I wanted to make sure before I did such a major move that this was definitely God's call in my life. And we went down for a, a month and I just loved it. I loved the work. But you know what? I was planning on, we were planning on working with her dad down in central Brazil. But as we are saying, in the meantime, the whole family moved up to the Amazon. We couldn't understand why it was taking so long for us to finish the steps to, to get moving And yet, during that time, we would have made a move to central Brazil and then had to move to the Amazon. We just saw God's timing in those things. We're just waiting. you know God's will. Okay, he's called us Brazil, and we're waiting for your timing. But those are the types of things you need to know. What has God called you to do? That you will be fulfilled because in your calling you're going to experience your destiny. You're going to experience that identity that God has for you in what you do. I am so different from Becky. She's just a junk, junk, dude. She is just a a person that just attracts other people. And just I mean, we even had we had like a a pet parrot, uh, macaw, that this macaw would attack people if anybody came towards Becky. He would attack. But this McCall would come and crawl up on her lap and just turn over for her to, I mean, that's just the way she is. A person's like, she's got this special gifting in her calling. I'm an engineer. I'm very methodical in my thinking. I like to evaluate all kinds of things before making decisions. I would not be pushed into a decision without taking my time. And Becky and I complement each other so well in these areas. And we were seeing, and so it's like, because I know where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, this is my calling, then I don't, I don't worry about the comparisons that, you know, people are more attracted to her than they are to me. That's not an issue. I know what God's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. So it removes those problems of comparison that, oh, I'd like to be more like that person. Oh, why aren't I like that? It doesn't mean we need to change things in our lives if we're just to, to just, uh, excuse our bad areas. But those types of things, when you know what God's calling is and what he's called you to do, You get rid of that comparison things. You know that those things, you get rid of that condemnation, those types of things that come. And so today, you know, maybe you don't know what your calling is for the future, but you know God's called you here. And if you don't know God's calling, you need to be finding, because that's going to make such a difference in your life. When we got to Brazil, I was involved with, uh, I was, anointed in the area of worship. God really used me in worship there as a worship leader at church. I was with my computer background, uh, electrical engineering background. I computerized all of our administration, everything was taking care of all these things, payroll, and all these complicated things that they have in Brazil. And it's, Becky and I were ministering to, to couples. And uh, so everything was, going. I was feeling so complete and just my dreams being realized to be there on the mission field and and experience all these things just flowing in the giftings God gave me. But that day came that Luke died when that plane crashed, ultralight crashed in the Amazon. That was the worst day of our lives. And just changed from one day to the next. Just completely changed our roles. And it's like when we were asked to be the leaders of Paz, it's like I, I really didn't have a desire to do that. But it's like, okay, God, I need to know, is this your calling on our lives? Because if this is just man's choice, not interested, but if you have a plan for us, if this is really your will, I've got to know it's got to be confirmed and gone through various things, confirmed that calling on our life because it was like being thrown into deep water without a life preserver. And at those times, God had this, like, you know, I'm in an area. This isn't where I, I really flow. But God was saying, okay, this is where it is, and I'm going to equip you. But then he was pruning. Like, I loved worship. It was wonderful. He was pruning those branches, pruning the other things, cutting so the uglier areas of my life, the weaker areas would, could, could flourish. So it would be more rounded and rounded out and, and, and being used for him. But it came, again, at that moment. It, it, took, like, it took months before I knew for sure that was God's calling. And once it was confirmed, then it could flow. All the difficulties, all the challenges we had, God was able to take us through And so for us, each one of us, each one of us has a calling of the Lord. The Lord gave us a general direction. When he gave for all of us the great commission, and he said that, uh, first of all, when he says, so many times we skip the first verse, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. We usually go straight to the next verse. uh, Go, therefore, make disciples of the nations. But first of all, he starts about talking about the authority. It's almost like he is just emphasizing. You remember when he was tempted and the devil came to him and showed him all the nations of the earth and their glory. And he said, all this, this glory, this authority has been given to me and I give it to whoever I desire. Because Adam had lost that authority with sin and given it to the devil. And the devil said, I'll give it to whoever I want. Jesus didn't even question that because it was true. But Jesus is saying right now, it's almost like saying, just throwing in Satan's face, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. It belongs to me. And now he's saying to us, go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything that I have taught you. So he gave this very general command, and he says, there's two main things in here. He says, go and make disciples. And in his going, he kind of told us in Acts one that you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. You have to know where he called you to go. Maybe it's to stay here. Maybe it's to go to Brazil. Or maybe it's some other remote place. But you need to know, okay, I'm supposed to go. Where am I supposed to go? First of all, you need to know that. Because that's going to define a lot of of your future. And with that going, uh, of what he wants you to do. For example, if you're going to Japan, very interesting, when our team went to Japan, discovered things I I never knew about Japanese culture. Like there, I'm not against, in the New Testament, I don't see any problem, I don't know how they teach here about tattoos, but I don't have a problem with tattoos. But there, Becky and I went for our, uh, celebrating our anniversary we went to a resort in Okinawa, and there they have, right there in the, in the swimming area, said, if you have any tattoos, please cover them up. In a public, you know, place for foreigners, and everybody comes. In, in Japan, tattoos are associated with the Japanese mafia. We had one of our missionaries who couldn't go to, to a gym because he had tattoos. And so, like, you need to know, okay, God, what's that calling? Okay, if I'm going to Japan, even though I may be okay with tattoos, I am not going to get a tattoo because I know it's going to influence my ministry. And so it's those types of things of knowing the calling, preparing. You're here preparing for what God's called in your life. But you need to know some of the specifics to avoid things that could cost you problems in the future. Of knowing that thing, of knowing where you're going. And then, he says, to make disciples. And so this Make Disciples is for all of us. And so my question today is, who are your disciples? Can you give me the name of your disciples today? A lot of times we're just not discipling. We can win people for the Lord. Getting converts is easy in Brazil. Right now there's a move of God. That's why we want to take advantage of the mission field there, of of the move of God. But he says that we are to make disciples where we are now. So I'm going to leave this with you, too. Who are you discipling? Whose life are you affecting? Who are you actually uh, giving of yourself, investing in people? You as youth, there's no no way till no, after I get my Bible college, after I do other things, I'm going to start making disciples. No, the disciple-making starts now. And so we want to encourage, as Becky was sharing, that we want to be fruit-producing trees. We want to be those people that are investing. And in Brazil, one of the major reasons for our growth and our success is because our church is a cell-based church where we have small groups and people are like family and are investing and our one-on-one discipleship, of getting into people's lives, to allow them to be transparent, to open their hearts, where they're, the tough things are going through, the condemnation they feel, the st- whatever struggles, and that we have that relationship where they have the trans- feel the transparency, have the transparency to, to talk with me about men with men, women with women, about what's going on, and how can I pray for you, and what you share with me will be in confidence. You will never hear what you share with me from somebody else. Because you will trust me as a discipler. And God is looking for, for us to be those people, to be that friend for somebody, to be that person that generates that discipleship. And we, we need to do that, to make disciples, to go and make disciples. And so we want to leave that with you this morning, that we have, we have needs in Brazil. We have these needs. We need for people to come and help us. We need accountants. We need guest house people. We need people to coordinate these teams. And you don't have to be just, okay, I'm called to be a pastor. No, we have other needs. And God wants to use you whatever he has. I mean, I, I was an electrical engineer for eight years. But again, God called me out of that for the mission field. I don't, don't say, okay, everybody, you need to go to the mission field. No, you need to know what God's call is. And be obedient to that call, and that's where your reward is going to come someday in heaven. That you were faithful to that calling that He placed upon your life, and you were you faithful in that, and you will, your rewards will be based on that. But I want to challenge you as students today, students today, it is great that you're here, that you're learning about the Bible. You're learning about character. You're learning about the integrity of the Christian walk, of the values of Christ, and implementing those lives, having people speak into your lives. But you've got to be ready to go. God may be preparing you for the marketplace as they talk about the seven spheres of influence that we want to take over in this world. We want to take over the areas of economy, education, religion, family, entertainment. I uh, forget to get the others, but all these areas. God is calling you. You need to know what has he called you to do to be that influence, to take a, take a hold of those areas, to be used mightily. And But we also, because we're here, we want to call you to Brazil because we know that we have needs there. It's a ripe field. As Becky was saying, it's a place where you can learn to be fruitful. But no matter where you're at, you need to be fruitful, bearing fruit. And that fruit is disciples. Go and make disciples.
1: It's already time, but I just want to say real quickly, um, you know, it's not such a mysterious thing to discover God's will. I find that, you know, He uses our, our likes, what we like to do. He uses our gifts and our talents and combining those and the opportunities then that He does open up to us. And so as you seek Him, He wants to show it to you. So, I just want to end with saying that if the lord is touching your heart into missions we'd love to talk with you because we'd love to offer you this opportunity to come down and there we'll help you train up and become a fruitful tree and who knows where god's going to end up sending you as a fruitful tree to really plant his kingdom so we know all of us are called to make disciples and so we just. We want you, like Jeff said, just want you to know what your calling is. But if your calling is to missions, we want to invite you to come and join us.
0: Let's just stand up at this moment. I would just like to pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you for every student here, for the call that they have on their lives. And I pray that you would give specific direction, Father, that they would know that they are in the center of your perfect will, moment by moment, fulfilling the call that is upon their life or this stage of their lives, that they would appropriate everything you have for them at this moment. Do the pruning necessary, Lord. Bring the foundation, a stronger foundation, a stronger intimacy with you, and a sensitivity to your voice that just keeps deepening that they know they have heard you and are being obedient in all they're called to do. Father, we just thank you for what Elam is doing here in this area for your kingdom of God. We just bless these students, and we just thank you for the commitment of each one to follow you with a full, a whole heart, and we just bless them, and thank you in Jesus' name.